Good evening, Patriots. And it is Monday, the April 4th, the year 2022. I'm going to kind of dig into just some reflections on Scripture tonight and uh, try to maybe put aside some of this craziness that's going on out here. There's been a lot of it and a lot of, um, I think, necessary discussion about what's been going on down in Florida and necessary about the kind of craziness of this uh, reaction to the Florida bill about teaching kids gender stuff. But I want to kind of put it aside because it tends to be a little bit consuming. And it, it does remind me of the reference in Ephesians when it says that these are things that we shall not, deeds that we should not speak of. And it's probably a good idea not to give it as much air time, at least not tonight, and kind of focus on the real thing, which is God and Jesus, which is kind of nice. Just real quick before we get started tonight, your health is very important. Your immune system is very important. And uh, so I'm just going to play a quick message on that, and then we'll get right into the show. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day and Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. So it was um, actually Ephesians 5. For it is shameful even to speak these of these things that they do in secret. And it's truth. I mean, these these are really dark places. But instead, let's uh, take a look at Nehemiah 4, starting at 11. It's a pretty, this passage is one I've gone over before. I like it a lot because it puts a, a lot of perspective, I think, on the challenges that we face. We're in a time of some needed urgency, but urgency is balanced by not having anxiety or panic. There's definitely a lot of things when we step back and we look at the world that of the magnitude of things that are happening, and we can just see just how many pieces are in play. The world has been shaken, and whatever's happening, if we're gonna be very honest, we're going to look at very much what's happening in the elite circles. They are a class or a group of people that work in a world of arrogance and total dominance. So from there, you're never going to hear them express fear. But by action, you can see that their things aren't going as they intend. And we have to be cautious because we as people tend to want to believe in a hero and we tend to want to believe in a savior. And I use that loosely, not in capital S. And unfortunately, we have been inoculated and indoctrinated over the years to see the hero. That's the whole principle. One of the big issues of movies and stories is always to present the hero to save the day. 
what that tends to do over time is it diminishes the importance of our role. We are truly of royal blood. And however it has happened, we have allowed a complete inversion to happen to where those that are of much more devious means, worse than devious, straight up evil, have taken control over everything. The narrative, the perspectives on history, the information that we're fed, and they've made us dependent on those streams of information. And in the process of us accepting that contract, we've become blinded. Right now, in the process of the awakening, there is increasing numbers of frustrations that are surfacing. We're hearing the frustration of what we're seeing in our schools. I played a piece in the previous show of a Canadian guy talking about what's what they're doing to First Nations and the aerial spraying that's going on up there. And you can just, the volatility in the voice and the, and the swearing is... Um, may not be something you want to hear, but it's important that I bring it up because it's what it's doing is it's, it's really showing the frustrations of us suddenly realizing what quite frankly has been there the whole time. And I think people are going through a bit of a shock right now to realize just how deceitful and corrupted our world really is. There is a, really powerful piece in it. And I, I, in, in our walk, I say not a powerful piece, but a powerful place that we have in our walk. And that's really in the listening to what God has to say. And it's a reminder in Nehemiah of how important our role is to understand that we are literally, we're in a foreign land here. Our home is with God. And we're in a foreign land right now, <clears throat> literally fighting behind enemy lines. And we're surrounded by an enemy that hates us. And there's a hardness to our, there's a hardness you have to take to your heart. And I think there's a, it's a difficult step for many to take to embrace that reality. What I can tell you is that once you do, it becomes pretty easy. When you take the step of accepting that the enemy just hates you, it's a pretty easy step to say that you don't hate them. Hate is a really volatile, volatile space. And I can be highly frustrated, and I am, and I, I do have some very righteous anger when I, we talk about things like kids and elderly. But hate's not in that equation. But the thing is, they're there is almost a seething hate for us. And why I bring that up is that's where that entry point comes in of love thy enemy. Love being agape love. And this is the hardest part I think everyone has is to compile what agape love is. So let's read a little bit of Nehemiah. And so it begins, our and our enemies said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. There's a pride there right off the beginning. There's almost an, an anxiousness and a joy in getting to come in and kill all of them. When the Jews who live near them came and told us ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. Then I, Now, I'm going to stop there. That's a panic and that's a concern and a fear. But the response is what's so awesome. Then I stationed men at the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and exposed places, and I stationed the people and the families with their swords, spears, and bow. When I saw their fear, I stood and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. We're right here now. Our enemy literally wants to come amongst us and kill us all. 
and we have people that are literally like, oh my goodness, look what's happening. That's some of that's the newly awakened. But we've been here a while. Matter of fact, we've been here quite a while. And really, our place needs to be in where we're going to station the men so that they are best suited to confront the enemy. And when we do, we also have to be there to reassure those of what they're fighting for and who they're fighting for. When God is with us in these fights, it's really, there's no, nothing to fear at all. When we take that upon ourselves, we start to imagine all the consequences. I was kind of going through, putting myself through this exercise today as I was putting together some shows and I was watching some video clips of fights from movies. And I, it's kind of a self test because I kind of watched through it and I watched the martial arts pieces on it. And I, I tried to see what my, I gauge my reaction to it. It's like watching stuff with special operations guys, clips that are on t- and you, you kind of get like, oh, wow, these guys are so awesome. Or like, oh, wow, what if that came at me? Would I be able to do that? Or oh, what if they did that? I would never survive, that sort of stuff. And that's all just us making stuff up. David was that shepherd boy that took out Goliath with three stones. Fearless because he was very clear where he was, where he was standing. He was standing as a representative in, with God. And such is the case here with Nehemiah. So it continues. Now when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, and this is the key right here that we so seldom do. In all of this rhetoric that goes out here in the news and so forth, how often do you hear somebody say, God frustrated their plan? How often do we hear ourselves say, God did this? I'd like to think that we say it frequently, but I don't think that we do, not enough. And in a, in a national rhetoric, that hardly ever happens because it becomes somebody's. And one has to be very cautious of wanting to take credit for things because when you do, God's likely to give it to you. It doesn't mean you're going to like it. So we're lacking in kind of a national debate, the whole principle of humility and putting God first. And ultimately, I think a lot of this comes with our relationship on where do we want to be with God? And that comes down to a simple place. Are we, are we, do we have that relationship as father and son or as father and daughter? Or do we have that relationship of myself who is humbled before God and God is my overlord and master? Two different relationships, completely two different perspectives. If we're going to be humbled in our lives and we're going to be working in that place, we have to give credit to where credit's due because right now this is God's fight. And at the level that we're operating, God's guiding us if we're listening. And so it's important that we kind of dig into that place and that gets back to the fundamentals of everything that we're doing in life. Every breath, every step in one way or another We need to strive to be connected with God, not once in a while, not in the morning, not at night, all the time. So I'll continue. Then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And from that day on, half of my servants carried on the work while half of them kept hold of the spears, the shields, the bows, and the coats of mail. And the captains were behind the house of Judah. Those who were building the wall and those who carried burdens carried with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword strapped to his waist as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. 
And I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive and we are separated on the wall far from one another. And whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet assemble there, our God will fight for us. In the way scriptures are related, it's always God fighting for us, even though they are doing the fighting. And somewhere in this process over the last 100, 200 years, we have moved ourselves from a position of giving God everything and allowing God to guide us to us doing the deed and taking credit for it and then saying some reference to the fact that God was there or God whatever. We get through this thing better and better the more that we place God totally before us. And it's just a paradigm shift. It's an important one. We're witnessing the outcome of a world right now that is very me-centric. A world that has cast away God, a world that has put themselves on the throne above a nation, those that will do anything to gain and regain, contain, or or, uh, retain power. And we're out here kind of trying to find our way through and we're getting hit by their barrages. But I really think God wants it this way because this is the war and this is the way God is fighting and he's fighting for us because we have been so woven into the system that the only way that God can free us is if we witness what it is that they truly are. And that's truly God fighting for us because in that place, then we're using our free will to separate from where we were to where we can go. If God doesn't do that and he just says, I'm going to fix it for you, we will never grow. We will never realize where we were and we won't appreciate where we're going. But when God's fighting for us right now, part of that is for us to have to endure some of this pain. And yet when we say endure some of the pain, if we really think about it, how much pain do we truly personally endure? I'm not saying it's we're immune because there's people that have passed away. That's difficult. We've witnessed a lot of pain across the world. We have a lot of frustration with some of this deviousness. But I think most of us could argue fairly solidly that God, when we're sitting with God, even if we're in a crowd where they're coming, they're disagreeing with us or calling us out, when we're strong with God, we're, we're really very comfortable. We're, our soul is at peace. But we have to go through this process. And that's, in, as I see it, God is fighting for us. It's a preparation for bigger things to come, in my opinion. We are, each of us, in a place to build that and man that wall. The enemy is out here. And that place where we're in, I believe we are actually each of us that holds in that walk with God is actually very safe. That will be determined over time. And I'm not saying that there will, everyone will have an easy ride through this. Though there is something in me that says that as we stay tight with Father, we're literally constructing the wall day by day, metaphorically. And day by day, we're laboring with one hand on the hilt of our sword and one hand on the work that we're doing. And that sword is the metaphorical sword of the Spirit. No less powerful by any means than the sword of steel. And how we wield that is as we learn to wield that, God is with us to guide us in that fight. Again, it depends on if we're willing to give God the credit, and let God have the wheel, so to speak. 
The problem with a culture built on fear and noise and chaos, it, by design, it keeps us constantly off base. And we do react because we have a moral conscience. And we hear of these things and we do feel that draw towards what is right and what is true. And there is a righteousness that comes about. And as often as I refer to it, it's important to always remember that Christ did flip tables and take out a whip. And that's not a small event. It's not something just to gloss over and just kind of like a little story. That was God's son that was driven to such anger that he flipped tables and took out a whip. My point being that we are of God and therefore we are going to have those moments where we're going to want to and may even need to flip tables and pull out the whip. And I think that we can be doing that now effectively with our words, with our truths, and armed with Scripture. Scripture as a weapon system is not something we typically consider. And yet we know that the power of proclaiming Christ Jesus in our life is is something that we don't deal with lightly. We don't ever want to hear that word said in vain. So we know that there's a great deal of power in words. And so we are manning walls right now. We are building the walls and the fortresses. And we are knowing that there's an enemy that wants to lurk within our ranks and wants to kill us. And yet it's not happening. I don't want to condemn in a sense, terminally condemn people that have taken the shot. But the fact of the matter is that they have taken a path that I don't know the way out of that one. I think that there's a way back, but it does deal with a repentance. And it's a very personal and very deep repentance that they have to go through with God. Take yourself out of that and the emotional part of the frustration, which we all have, around the shot and the amount of savagery that we've one place or another, we've witnessed from those that have taken the shot and continue to, because they don't let up. They they're not satisfied and they don't want to hear the truth because it's their world. And that's the key part is the world. It is their world now. And we're not in that world and we've separated from it. And the more that this goes along, the more that it becomes clear that we're not welcome in it. They don't want us in it. Even though they, some will try to tell you, like, it's your turn, take the shot. That decision has been made, and that sword has been cast on the earth, my opinion. And I think that it's aligning up to a certain point in our future, and I don't know when by any means, but I believe that we're walking to a point where there is literally the fork in the road will arrive. And I don't know what that looks like, but I feel that one more than I can say, more than I can articulate it is that there is a definitive point coming and we're almost there. And that's by everything that's coming to a head. We've never seen this much vile behavior and words and and evil that have come out into the open to show its face to us without any sense of concern. And yet I don't think it's that, truly. I think that there is a great deal of fear on that on the behalf of evil. And it's showing its face because this is all it has now. It has to throw everything at us in hopes of breaking our will. And of course there we are again. God fighting for us because what he's showing us is as we stand here and this evil's rearing up, and it's a pretty vicious evil, we're okay. We're still here. Things are moving along. Maybe not as fast as you want, but they're moving along. And we're finding ways of coming together more, which is beautiful. 
We're building deeper fellowships, which is beautiful. There's a sense of getting things done and purpose and intent. And God's providing. And it, and I'm not saying everything is rosy by any means. But the faith is that ultimate strength that we have in all of this. And as we are working in our lives and we continue to tend to the wall and we're wielding that sword of the spirit and, and letting God fight for us, we're finding that the enemies are backing off, at least in our spaces. They like to throw a lot of fear in there, but they're not impacting us. And as they don't impact us, we grow stronger. I don't think this world is that difficult. I think we make it enormously difficult. I think that we codify way too many things. I think that we, even in churches, even in good churches, we codify too many things, things that we have to do, scriptures we have to memorize, behaviors that have to be done. There's a pretty simple set of rules that God's laid down. And that walk in life isn't, doesn't have to be complicated, but it does have to be true and pure and committed. I mean, we need to accept Christ. That's not difficult. It's a choice. We have to seek a repentance for the life that we had just to let that go, and we have to reset our life and reform our life through the body of Christ. And we're transformed and reborn. And in doing that, we gain a new way of being, and we're still going to stumble, and we know that. I don't like, as you know very well, I don't like the codification that we're all forever sinners. I think that's a carryover from the Catholic and old church system that try to put everybody down. I have no doubt that we do sin, but I don't see God as being one that's punitive. I see God as a God of redemption and a God of rebuilding us. And that that's his goal is to see us rise up, not to be put down. And I think that the church is doing an amazing job of peddling sin and guilt rather than building up the strength and glory which is within us with God. We need to love our neighbors, which is often easier said than done. But part of that is letting God fight for us, not us having to do all the work. And we, I think we forget that too much. I think we forget just to have a conversation with God and Jesus. And that too often we seek into a formality of prayer or a specific time or we're asking for something rather than just turning to Father and just saying a simple words. I love you. Thank you. And how often have we said to Jesus, I love you? It's a pretty simple terms. We're, we're given the task of giving voice and protection to those that can't protect themselves, defend themselves, or have no voice. In other words, we're given that task to over, to look after God's children that aren't strong enough to ward off of the evil that's coming at the wall, that evil that wants to come in amongst us and kill us. And that's a big task. It's a lifelong task because it never goes away. And when we start to look at all these things and reflect very closely on our life, and there's some other things, I'm just, I'm not going to say that's everything, but I think those, when we start to look at those things right there, and we look very carefully at our life, I think we start to have to reflect deeply on where exactly we've placed priorities. Because 
looking after our parents or looking after our children in that way or looking after the collective of children and the collective of elderly to make sure that they're not victimized, to make sure that they have a voice. That gets in the way of careers and having another house, a bigger house for you and the kids and not having to deal with mom and dad or finally the kids are out of the nest or getting the new car and the job and the pension and the 401k or those things become very consuming. So I'm going to reflect back on Bard's Fest because it was a very poignant moment that I've talked about before. And then it was just a reminder that was given to me by Pastor Brad Cummings, which from his own experience, which was a reminder that be careful in these festivals because there's a point when your intention, however noble and good it is, gets lost in the intention of, of the need, I should say, of the details of managing the event. And so we lose the connection because what happens, we start to fight the fight and we don't let God fight for us. And that moment, as I've talked about, was the first two days of Bards Fest. The same holds true with the concept of Bards Nation. We have built a beautiful group here. But if we start to assume the place of being Bards Nation as an entity, as a force, as something that is better, different than anybody else, we've lost because we've stopped letting God fight for us. And part of fighting for us is to build bridges, which we're, our engagement is doing, but God, again, is part of that. So I don't think life is that difficult. I think that the noise around us is difficult. I think when we finally take some time to just sit quietly and put the news aside, take some time and and I've talked a lot about recently and will continue to the importance of the garden, putting your hand in the earth, dealing with the delicacy of plants and getting them in the ground, appreciating the bounty that God gives us through a few seeds of how it can feed a full family. Those are the things that are really in touch with the power and force in which we represent. The muckery and the frustration, the anger of seeing them do the evil things to us, that's a righteous anger, but at the same time, we have to find a way through it. And again, we need to turn and let God fight for us. The unfortunate part is there's a lot of, an enormous amount still of me out here. And our voices don't feel at times like we're connected together. But we are. One of the reasons that I, that we do now bend at knee every day, at least six days a week, is to at least have an opportunity to come together that we know there's a time and in place that our voice does come together. Yet if we really think about it, and if we're letting God fight for us and listening to God in each and every step, we are all connected to that, and we are working together. And if we'll allow that to happen, we can see, I believe, tremendous transformation. This is an enormous fight. It's, in a, it's a global fight beyond as much as we'd like to think we can visualize it. We really can't. The depths and levels of rancor, deceit, of distorted science i it just is the pages go on and on and it's beyond the comprehension of most of us and perhaps some can visualize it better than others but the full scope of it is in god's hands and it's there again we have to let god fight for us but what's our intent what do we want do we just want god to fight for us or are we trying to accomplish something and therein is that kind of interesting duality because what does God want for us as he fights for us? And I think it comes down to something fairly simple. He'd like to see us love him. I don't think that's 
difficult. I think we make it difficult. And if we're loving God with all of our heart, and we're doing that by choice, there's really nothing in this world that can touch us. There's nothing in this world that can consume us. There's nothing in this world that can distract us. Because then every single thing that we're doing is an extension of that. From a point of view of just a daily entertainment and hearing these noises of people around the world, it is entertainment. And I think we need to take it like that. It's almost, you kind of roll your eyes sometimes if people can actually be the way they are. I think we need to be very careful about letting that become too much, too serious. We have lived through so much rhetoric and so much garbage and fear porn. The end of the world with COVID, the end of the world if you didn't wear a mask, the end of the world if you didn't take an injection, the looming thermonuclear war that's not going to happen between the United States and Russia, Chinese troops invading California, Russian troops going to invade America, FEMA camps are going to round everybody up in. I mean, that that's a good one. I mean, all these are kind of good because they're all disempowered images. They're all images of just us being victim to their story. The FEMA camp's the best. It's like, how many, seriously, I mean, how many of us would really stand and let, we get in our head like FEMA's going to roll in with all these big rigs and they're going to kick in doors and they're going to arrest people and no one's going to fight. It's like the book On the Beach that after a nuclear war, the whole society just decides that they've had enough and they just go out on the beach and they basically die. I mean, that is the dumbest ending ever. It had to be written by a liberal. Ourselves are the same because we do these narratives. And instead of just kind of laughing at them and enjoying the thought, because like David in front of Goliath, they are the Goliath. We are the David. We have the three stones. God is with us. And they're insulting us and they're insulting God in the process. And we'll just behead them. I mean, we need to find that sort of power in, in, a, in a certain measure of levity with our righteous anger. And when we do that and we're letting God truly fight for us, there is truly nothing here other than just a good bit of entertainment and hopefully a really nice garden and some beautiful time of walking in the sun and time with your family. But really when we step back from this and we are, if we're going to be totally honest, they have been ruling us through noise and we've been accepting the contract of noise to interfere with our relationship with God. It's about it. And all of the other images that go along with their stories, their narratives and noise of stories of doom and stories of being taken over and stories, stories of this or that. And at the end of the day, all we have to do is just shut it off and just turn to Father, say, Father, I love you. And let's go for a walk. And that's about it. That, I just, that's just some stuff I wanted to share tonight because I think that we, there is an importance and an urgency to make sure that we are definitely moving forward with tending to our gardens. But the garden is, is both physical and metaphorical. It's sowing seeds and that in itself is profound. And there is a need to look at the times in which we're in and to be stewards like Joseph to put grain in the silos. At the end of the day, everything that we do is appropriate as we follow Father. And with that, no matter what your means, wherever you are, whatever station in life you're in, no matter what neighborhood you live in, as we listen and follow as he leads, everything that we do is as it should be. 
And that should leave us with zero fear, no anxiety, no worries about them, and the confidence of knowing that God's fighting for us. And the greatest gift of all, we get to see these fools for who they really are. There's no hiding anymore. We see it all. And that, to me, is the greatest gift and power that we've seen yet of, of God at work. Pretty profound. Let's pray. Jesus, we just ask you to be with us today. Just hear our prayers. Just thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that has been given to us, life. And I don't know that there's any way to express that more than that. It's simple, yet it's profound. We have a, had a, a pretty busy walk in this chaotic world the last few years. And there's a sort of pause this evening, perhaps, of just reflecting on a lot of that and just realizing how profound connection of love is with you and with Father. I don't know that we can easily articulate the measure of love that you have expressed to us and the measure of love that Father gives to us. And yet, I think that we have, it is easy for us to overlook just the important points of saying some simple words. Jesus, I love you. Father, I love you. And I thank you for all that's been given, all that continues to be given, the eyes to see, the ears to hear you better each day. And that strength and that walk that we have that continues to keep us on this amazing path of clarity, strength, the firmness of our faith, walking on the edge of what is truly a beast of a system. And yet, here we are. We're okay. And even in the greatest of challenges, we seem to come through those storms because you're there for us. So thank you. We say these things in your holy name. Amen. Let's just take some time just to pause once in a while. And just to sit, listen to Christ, listen to Father. There's a lot to be said. A lot is said in whispers. But it's there. And it's there to guide us and give us the wisdom that we need. Because we're not expected to walk on this thing alone. Have a blessed night. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. It's a beautiful Beautiful time to be alive. So much that we can see that we couldn't see before. And Father's given us that as a greatest gift. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. God will always be there. In the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all. Reaching out for some
see it now. I can see it now. We're on the edge of a moment. We're not a fight up, now we're diving in. Light up our head, we're running to it. We're on the edge, now we're diving in. Stay aware and you'll see that every broken dream. Fair together flawlessly, pay the road to better things. Letting go of the moments that could only keep us down. I can see it now. Can you see it now? We're on the edge of a moment, but not a that now we're diving in. Sits down over the hill where the lights got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this face. When your soul answers calls far away Thank you. 